You're listening to Primary Sources. This is Kane Webb, director of the Arkansas Department of Parks and Tourism. And today I'm interviewing an old friend and a former boss of mine, <laughs> Steve right. Stracely, who is the principal at Catholic High School. Steve, thanks for doing this, Thanks man. for having me. I'm so, honored. So you've been principal for 12 years. 12 years. You were a teacher there since 92, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording this at 1 o'clock on a Monday. So the obvious question is, why aren't you in school? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a great question, Kay. You know, when the director of Parks and Tourism asks you to come do something, especially now that he is the director of War Memorial Stadium. <laughs> that's right. I'm your landlord now. You are now my landlord. Uh, <laughs> we say yes and, and uh, agree to these types of things. Well, we're, we're glad you did. I appreciate yeah. it, man. And full disclosure, I did work as a teacher at Catholic High in 2009 and 10, and Steve was my boss, and I didn't leave because of him. So let's <laughs> just get that out of the way. But um, you've been on the scene. You're still a young man, 46 years old. All right. Uh, which sounds really young to me, um, but you've been on the scene at Catholic High for 12 mm-hmm. years. You were a teacher for a long time before right. that. So most people know you as synonymous with Catholic. Mm-hmm. But let's kind of start with the beginning. Yeah. I mean, did you grow up at Little, in Little Rock? I did, did you, yeah. Tell yeah. me a little bit about that. Grew up in uh, Little Rock, uh, Colony West neighborhood, beautiful place to grow up. Back then it was the suburb Yep. with a uh, park nearby, swimming pool, creeks, and about two dozen kids in my neighborhood, and th- and we lived on a cul-de-sac, so it was wonderful. Went to Holy Soul School, graduated from Catholic High in 1988, Yeah, went off to school, came back four years later, and signed on for one year. Brothers and Here sisters? That's right. You got how many brothers and sisters? I have, uh, I have uh, three brothers yeah. and one sister, all live in Little Rock. The brothers go to Catholic, too? Yes, of course. Now, I was talking to Jim Daly, uh-huh. former mayor of Little Rock. Uh, who's a Catholic High grad, mm-hmm. and also, and I'm a Catholic High grad, by the way, class of 82. Uh, and Jim was telling me that he graduated with your father. He did. And so I did the math quickly. Yeah. So that means when your dad started as a freshman, there is now a 60-year Stracely affiliation <laughs> with Catholic High School. Well, that's Isn't a that good amazing? point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard. I was going to say it's hard to find another family yeah. with that kind of. But when you look at Catholic, you yeah. see all these last names yeah. just churning through there. All oh, they're around. very familiar. If you walk down our hall and look at the composites mm-hmm. on the walls, you see names from the 1930s that are still in our seats today. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that the families just keep kind of going through? And you your know, dad obviously, for y'all. Yeah, obviously it has a lot to do with the church and uh, being a mainstay here in, in Little Rock. But for our school, it's even deeper than that. Uh, you know, we, we uh, characterize it as tradition. We characterize it as brotherhood. And these things are, are absolutely true. It gets into yeah. your, your, your soul. And uh, so many Catholic high graduates just can't imagine sending their sons anywhere else. Yeah, even with the air conditioning. <laughs> that uh-huh. is a sticking point for many. <laughs> so you mentioned kind of briefly your biography. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you were an 8-year-old at Colony West, playing in the swimming pool, yeah. I doubt if you dreamed of being the principal Catholic high school. I can just about assure you that was so, the farthest thing from my mind. So, so at what point in, in, I guess, in college or, yeah. you know, how did you wind up back there? You know, I mean, what yeah. was, was that a plan of yours? Or no, did it happen by the- that, it, it was happenstance. It really yeah. was. Now, I, like many of my classmates and many other Catholic high graduates, I had this 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 great affection for this school. Yeah. And I can remember graduation night being almost a letdown because we had to leave and that's so strange for a high school boy to say about or think about his you know recent alma mater Uh, 
But uh, the fact was we didn't have air conditioning, no girls, and tough discipline, and we loved it. Yeah. And uh, so when I left, uh, I did uh, feel some strong ties to it. I went to college my and, whole— And you'd been like the president of the class, is that no, no, are you, you kidding not? me? My oh, class oh, had good taste. Okay. <laughs> no, they picked real leaders. <laughs> No, I was uh, just your average Catholic high yeah. student. You know, nothing special by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And I uh, went to college and always planned to be an attorney. And uh, had uh, taken the LSAT and was getting ready for law school and, and uh, all that it entailed. And there was just this nagging feeling that, you know, the law will always be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should try to do something, you know, for me. And uh, I thought about uh, back then, uh, Teach for America or something like that. And I'll never forget this. It was a February night, my senior year. I was working part-time at a liquor store uh, in Fayetteville. Yeah, you went to UA. I did. And uh, I thought just on a lark, maybe I'll teach it Catholic. Maybe (laughs) they need a a teacher. And so I I called Father Tribe. It was about 9 o'clock. It was a cold February night. And I said, Father, this is Steve Stracely. And he said, oh, my gosh. And I said, oh, my gosh. He said, I mean, are you in jail? Are you, do you need money? Why are you calling me? I said, well, Father, I was actually calling to see if, you know, you had any job openings. He said, well, tell me where you've been, what you've been doing. And so I started talking him through what I'd been doing through college. And and, uh, um, he said, well, you know, are you certified? I said, I'm not certified. I said, I'd do it. You know, I'd get certified. I said, but Father, I really just want to teach one year. If I could have one year of teaching, then I'm going to go to law school. You know, I've got it all lined up, just one year. What do you think? And he goes, you know, I don't know. You know, know, there has to be an opening, and, uh, you know, very rarely are there good openings for just a year. And this whole time he's baiting me. Yeah. And he said, well, what's your degree in? And I said, it'll be in history. And there's this long pause to where I'm thinking that he hung up on me. Oh, really? And he said, yesterday, I had a history teacher ask for a one-year sabbatical. His name was Harry Williams. He was going to go teach in the Army War College for a year. And he wanted to be gone one year. He said, I think we need to talk. Oh, my gosh. And so I uh, um, came in two weeks later and interviewed uh, Went and sat down with uh, Mr. Lawson, the head oh, of the sure. social studies he, he department. Me social studies, uh-huh. great teacher. Um, visited with Father Tribu and and um, came back from the interview after speaking to Mr. Lawson. And uh, I thought I'd shake hands with Father and leave. Yeah. And you know he'd let me know. He just came back and said, "Well, you'll start August first, <laughs> and um, you know be ready for it." Yeah. And that was in 1992. Wow. And yeah. You tell a good story about going back to see him before school starts, mm-hmm. and yeah. and he did he forget he had he hired. Did. I don't know what he thought, but you know I walked in and uh, was sitting in the office. I wanted to get my textbooks. Yeah. It was May. I just graduated from college. I wanted to get my textbooks, and um, he saw me and uh, just walks by me and glares at me. Goes yeah. into his office and then he motions for me angrily you know, to come in yeah. there. And I'm thinking, I'm 22 years old. I mean, I'm a, I'm a young-looking 22-year-old. Yeah. And he probably, he I knew he mixed up recent graduates with current students, so sure. he probably thought I was some kid in trouble. And so I go into his office, and he lays into me and says, you will straighten up, 
you will work your tail off, you will be uh, um, part of high expectations in every single thing that you do. Do you understand me? I said, Father, I'm Steve Stracely. I graduated in 88. You hired me to teach this fall. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, I know. Oh, really? <laughs> I just thought he hit the re- the repeat button on his feet. Either way, it worked oh, perfectly. Man. I thought, good Lord, he just gave me a whole uh, wow. earful of uh, that's great of advice to teach with. So, well, let's talk about Father Tabu mm-hmm. a little bit because um, he was such a mythical figure yeah. to a lot of us. Uh, I think he died in two thousand one. Two thousand one. He taught me. Um, he taught many boys and men at Ca- in, in Little Rock, mm-hmm. Arkansas. Uh, and you had an um, an unusual relationship with him because you were a student there, mm-hmm. and then you taught mm-hmm. with him, and then of course you ev- eventually succeeded him. Um, tell me about your impressions of him as a student first, and then we'll get yeah. into your time as a teacher. As a student, um, he was someone who my own father spoke about in reverent terms, yeah. and uh, just when he mentioned Father Tribu, it was. It was not of mythical proportions, meaning like, you know, he didn't make him out better than he was, but he made him out as good as he was. Yeah. And he used to, my father used a, a, a good vocabulary in imparting that information to, to my brothers and me, that uh, he was a larger-than-life figure, yeah. uh, but also a human being. You know, he was a, a good, uh, hard-working man, disciplinarian, and more importantly, just knew the right thing to do at the right time. Yeah, and he had flaws, which I liked. He smoked mm. cigars, <laughs> yeah. and he knew he shouldn't. Right. You know, he had a crush on Catherine Hepburn. Right, right, know, which he, he shouldn't have. Run everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and he had, he kind of he understood yeah. his own vices. Exactly. But, um, what I remember about Father Tribu is that uh, you know we had mass every Friday, mm-hmm. and in the gym, mm-hmm. no air conditioning. No air conditioning. Of course. And he would, would have the Mass and he'd have the, the homily. And you go to Mass typically if you're Catholic and the homily somehow relates to the gospel. Not with Father Tribe. Mm-hmm. It was whatever the hell he wanted he was to thinking, talk about yes. right then. Yeah. And it had to do with somebody who screwed up and they yeah. need to fix it. And yeah. straighten up and fly right. Now I remember that and I remember one other thing. Uh, the year that uh, Bill Clinton lost to uh, Frank White. Frank White. 1980 election. Mm-hmm. That next year, I think I was a junior, sophomore, junior. Uh, you know, father would have people come and talk to the classes, mm-hmm. uh, the the assembly. Yeah. And I remember he had invited Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he did this on purpose or it had just worked out that way. He had the he had the rostrum at the end of the the, the gym. Mm-hmm. He had this little undersized chair over uh. to the side <laughs> <laughs> that Clinton was sitting in, as if he was in trouble. <laughs> That is classic. <laughs> and, and, and of course, they had a, ended up yeah. having a great long-term relationship. And mm-hmm. he introduced him, and he said, you know, boys, he just lost his first election, or his second election, mm-hmm. first election as governor. But I think you will be listening to a future president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being floored yeah. that he said that. I thought it was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard in my right. life. Right. And, of course, he ended up being a— Isn't that amazing? Isn't it incredible? And as uh, differing as they were on, on certain oh, issues, yeah. I think what Father Tribe loved— the most in people, especially young men, the young men under his care, were their flaws. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that that just appealed to him that 
Bill Clinton was constantly trying to redeem himself yeah. and willing to try think, to redeem himself. And I think that appealed to uh, Father Tribu a lot. I think you're on to something. I think Clinton, yeah. in turn, kind of saw him as that father figure. Mm-hmm. I bet if you got Bill in here now and said, he would have said, I'd love to have gone to Capcai. Yeah. I think it would have helped him out. Yeah. But Father would say, you know, to, to Clinton, mm-hmm. I can't vote for you yeah. because of abortion. Right. You know, just period. Right. That's off the table. No, right. What can we talk about? And but, Skip Rutherford tells that great story of, when uh, President Clinton introduced Father Tribu to Pope John Paul II, and this was a hero of Father Tribu. Yeah. They were in St. Louis, I think it was, and and uh, Bill Clinton says, uh, you know, Your Holiness, I'd like to introduce to you Father George Tribu, who yeah. runs the boys' school in my, in, in my home state. And uh, uh, Father Tribu looks at uh, the Pope and says, I've never voted for him, not once, <laughs> Is that right? but he's a good man, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Our yearbook caption, did you see the yeah, photograph? Tell them, that's uh, good. Yes. Our yearbook caption is the President of the United States introducing Father Tribu to the Pope. And the caption is Father Tribu and two other guys. <laughs> Which is absolutely perfect. Yeah. So you, you you taught under Father Tribu. Uh, <clears throat> how, I, I know you were there for a while, then you left. Yes. Right? You got out of teaching. Tell me about why that happened and how long you had. What, what, what occurred to bring yeah. that about? Well, I had a uh, young family, yeah. uh, three children, uh, and, you know, Father Tribu uh, uh, was used to a faculty that was mostly priests. Yeah. And uh, the the compensation for teaching was very low at the time. What did you get first year? $17,250. Plus was, lunch, though. Plus Steve. lunch. Yeah. I did get the uh, lunch benefit. <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, it was an honor to teach there. It was good. So you didn't think anything of it until you, somebody, until you had children. Yeah. And then things started changing. And I knew that I could not make a career out of teaching and put my kids in Catholic schools. Mm. That wasn't going to mm-hmm. – that was going to be tough to do at, at that level. So uh, I went to work for a museum consulting business. Mm. And I helped broker artifacts for museums and private collectors, everyone from uh, the Smithsonian to uh, the Library of Congress to these private collectors like uh, the actors uh, Tom Berenger and then really? uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it was just a— well, That sounds like a pretty interesting It guy. was. It was really interesting. How long did you do that? I did that for two years. So you liked it? I did like it. It, uh, it was not fulfilling, yeah. if that makes sense. It was yeah. very interesting but not fulfilling. See, one of my memories of Father Tribu is, you know, this is a guy who talks to presidents yeah. who, uh, or a president who talks to senators who is recognized as a leader in the community. But when he got into a classroom full of boys, yeah. you know, that's when he was at his best. You know, that's when he was the real Father Tribu. I can mm-hmm. remember him teaching To Kill a Mockingbird. And, uh, you know, the different scenes in it or the death scene from D- Cyrano de Bergerac and tears, you know, forming in his eyes as he was reciting it. And I can remember we watched the old uh, Gregory Peck uh, oh, To sure. Kill a Mockingbird and yeah. he, you know, would stop it, that old VCR, you know, stop it. And uh, when Atticus was leaving the courtroom, how all of uh, the African-Americans in the balcony stood up, and they yeah. made scouts stand up and say, stand up, your father is passing. And how he would just talk about that in tears and so forth, and that's what you want is figuratively for your children to stand as you walk by. They, you want them to respect you. 
And so that was an element that was so ingrained in me from my own father, from Catholic high school, and from teaching uh, in my own um, experiences there that I just couldn't get that out of my so, system. So it was still there when you, even though you were doing the other job. All right. So how did you circle back to Catholic Eye? How did that happen? <clears throat> Father Tribu uh, had gotten sick, mm-hmm. and uh, he had cancer. He had uh, he had cancer, but it was a stroke that finally took him. Yeah. And uh, uh, I had uh, sent him a couple of letters about coming back, and uh, sent Father Fred a couple of letters about mm-hmm. coming back. I said I miss it. You know, if there's an opportunity. Well, he died in February of 2001, and Mike Rockers came in mm-hmm. in that fall as the principal. And I was hired to be the alumni director. Hmm. We had never had an alumni association before. And uh, if you wanted to know what the alumni were doing, all you had to do was ask Father Tribu. Oh, if yeah. you wanted to raise money, all you had to do was ask Father <laughs> Tribu. Right. He just opened up his uh, drawer and pulled out the little black book and was able to get things done. And, of course, none of us can do that. Yeah, And so... I was tasked with creating an alumni association, and uh, after a couple of years, became vice principal, and then Mike Rockers moved on uh, to South Carolina, and uh, Bishop Sarton at the time asked me about taking over yeah. as principal. Did you teach while you were I running did. the alum- What did you teach? Still social studies, Still yeah. Studies. I think I taught U.S. history and American government and politics at the time. Yeah. I mentioned Jim Daly earlier, and I was talking to him last week, and he said he was on the committee that hired the the principal who right. would replace Father Tribe when he died. And he said, your name came up immediately, mm-hmm. and the feeling was that you were still awfully young. Yeah. Uh, and, then he's, and then Jim said that in retrospect, it may have helped you not to be the guy to follow <laughs> yeah. the guy. That's right. Little, is that, is that there is a lot here? to be said for that. And uh, at the time Father Tribu died, I was 31 years old. Yeah. I had no business running that school. Now, they did approach me about coming in and learning, uh-huh. you know, spending some time learning, which is exactly what, how it worked out. And I'm very thankful for those uh, four years I spent. <laughs> not being the not principal. Being the, so the, you took over at 34 or 35? 35. That's still awfully young. That's it's still young-ish, awfully young. Yes. Yeah, yeah, youngish. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the years, it's the mileage. That's right. Um, what was the first couple of years like? I mean, because you can't, as an alum of Catholic High, <clears throat> we compare everything to yeah. the Father Tribe of the Air. Yeah. Everything and everybody. Yeah. There had to have been a lot of pressure. Oh, there, there, and there still is. Yeah. Uh, you know, the alumni of the school love the school. Yeah. And sometimes we as alumni struggle with uh, coming out of our graduation year yeah. and recognizing that the school is a living thing. And, and that's a challenge uh, to, to move forward from the time that you thought it was perfect or your buddy thought it was perfect or the time that uh, another you know, era of students thought it was perfect yeah. and bring it into meeting the needs and, and uh, all that goes with teaching boys today. Um, but I, I knew early on, you know, I, w- I would never be a Father Tribu. Yeah. And it would just be nonsensical for me to try to be Father Tribu. And and so I thought that we would uh, just plant one foot firmly in our past, mm-hmm. that which made us great. The traditions, the reality of the school, just the tough discipline, the rigorous academics, that brotherhood feeling that we talk about so much we will not stray from that. But the other foot is going to be reaching out to the future. If the past, we, we hold tight to the past, that which made us great, the other foot is going to be reaching out for 
that which will make us better. Yeah. And so that's what we're constantly doing is, you know, straddling the times and uh, making sure that we're, we're true to ourselves, mm-hmm. but we're also reaching out for that which will make us better. So the first few years, you know, it is. You're 35 years old, uh, and everybody said, you know, Catholic would be so much better if X oh, happened sure. or Y idea. happened or Z. And, and there was a lot of uh, pushing back on that mm-hmm. and saying, no, you know, here are the parameters. Uh, first of all, we're going to write the ship and make sure everybody knows that it's well built, and then we're going to sail. And we've been sailing ever since. At what point did you feel like, you know, it, it's mine or I, I am comfortable in this role now? Well, maybe another 10 or 12 <laughs> years from now, but uh, I, I still think of it as Father Tribu's office. You know, it's Yeah, that just, must have been weird the first time you walked is, in. It is. And I'll tell you, I used to sit back. I would go in, um, you know, after school or on weekends or whatever, or I'd uh, have a particularly bad day, and I found myself always leaning back and looking at the 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 ceiling in that office. Yeah. And it was that you know kind of popcorn ceiling, original to 1960, oh, sure. mm-hmm. and uh, these blue windows, you know, the transom windows that were uh, uh, 55 years old. And I and can hear still still hear the squeak of those when they're yes. opened and closed. And uh, <clears throat> I always. Uh, you know, I'm Catholic, so everything's a symbol to me, right? I yeah. mean, I can find a symbol in anything. And and uh, being somebody interested in literature, I can find symbolism very easily. Yeah. So I found myself leaning back in my chair all the time that first year, staring at that ceiling, and it just dawned on me that that ceiling has caught so much over the years. It's caught Father Tribu's cigar smoke, <laughs> but it's also caught his prayers, his thoughts, his meditations. And so I found myself staring at that ceiling for comfort and thinking, you know, Father, just one of those prayers, if just one of them could fall to my desk at the right time, (laughs) I would appreciate it. That's what I want is for your thoughts and prayers just at the right time hit the desk. And amazingly, they did, you know. Uh, We have dealt with a whole lot of boys who, who have been in the foster care system who you cannot approach them the same way that the kids that you are approaching who are raised in Pleasant Valley. Mm-hmm. And knowing how to deal with tough situations is one of those prayers that fell down to his desk. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm asked by people who didn't go to Catholic Eye, you know, what it, what it's like. Yeah. And, and I, I, sometimes I feel like there is a misperception that it's kind of the school of elites. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would say this, well, about half the students live in Pleasant Valley or yeah. Chanel, the other half are reform schools. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's an interesting mix there. there and I is. saw it both as a student, yeah. although when you're a student there, you all feel like, you know, yeah. you're the scum of the earth kind of. Yeah. Uh, but as a teacher especially. Yeah. Um, and so it is an interesting mix. It is. Um, when you and I were there, or at least when I was there, you, know, you had Catholic High St. Mary's, and you had the public schools. Mm-hmm. There, there weren't any other options. You could go off to Subiaco. Right. And now there's a ton of competition right. in the private sector. Right. How has that affected Catholic, and, and, and what's the competition? Yeah. Has it been good for you? I, I think so. I think it's made us better. And, you know, we're, we're capitalists at heart. You know, we want to compete. Yeah. We know that if we're being pushed, we'll produce a, a better product. Uh, the downside of it was that the competition sprung up at about the same time Father Tribu was nearing the end of his life. Yeah. And so he dies, the great leader dies, New competition springs up all throughout Little Rock, and we have this period where 
we're trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. That was a tough time. Now, once we, you know, again, planted one foot firmly in our past, one foot reaching out to the future, and we said, this is who we are, then we found that people still appreciated the, the product yeah. that we, we come out with. What's the student population at Catholic? 750. Has that been pretty stable? Is, yes. it, is it high? How, how does that compare to, say, 10, 20 years ago? Uh, 20 years ago, when we were in school, we yeah. were about 750. Okay. So it is about the same. Uh, we did struggle uh, right after Father Tribu's death. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I had a, a private school uh, a school board member tell me we had dropped below 600. Mm-hmm. This was right when I took over. Mm-hmm. He said, Steve, I'm just going to tell you, you're probably never going to be a 600-man school again, and you will definitely not be a 700-man school again. And he said... Uh, you know, it just, you lost your great leader. There's so much competition now. Little Rock's small. It's not going to happen. He said, so, Mr. Strassel, it's uh, probably <laughs> going to happen that way to where you'll never see 700 again. And I will never forget That's breaking true. 700. I called Did him. Call yeah, yeah, I said, I just want you to know we're over 700. And the name's Stracely. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, there's also been some physical changes, capital improvements, <clears throat> and I brought up air conditioning, yeah. half jokingly. Yeah. But I remember half when joking. I heard this yeah. as an alum, I yeah. was kind of shocked that Catholic High was going to get yeah. air conditioning because, well, <laughs> that just seemed, that, that just didn't work. You know, <laughs> I, and I'm sure you got some pushback. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm the only man in America who gets booed for <laughs> air conditioning a building in the South. <laughs> You would think that this would be something people would applaud, but I, I mentioned air conditioning, and it's like I have, you know, killed somebody's dog. It's, uh, it is, it's been a great punchline, though, through the years. Uh, but the reality is, again, you know, there's so much to be said about that uh, character building. Yeah. But so many people would mistake the lack of air conditioning for building character because it made you experience pain and suffering, and it made you stronger. It wasn't that. It was there was no air conditioning at Catholic High because we wouldn't pay that electric bill. The tuition was lower, and your character was built by sitting next to kids from all walks of life who could now afford Catholic High mm-hmm. because the price of tuition wasn't high. Character was not built by the suffering. It was built by the relationships. Now, we had to slice through the Gordian knot. Mm-hmm. How are we going to reach that foot out into the future? Uh, add these improvements that we need in order to be a strong educational institution in the 21st century and not raise the tuition so much that we're going to carve off a large part of our student body. We were able to do it with the help of our endowment fund, our foundation. They rewrote the rules, so to speak, the bylaws of how they were going to uh, uh, fund Catholic High. No longer was it going to be predicated upon the, the ebbs and flows of the, the stock market, it was going to be a line item in our budget. Mm. And that released us to be able to explore these new things. And it has worked tremendously. Our tuition is still the lowest in the state. What still is what, what is $4,400 a year yeah. for a Catholic student. So it's still working. Uh, we have all this air conditioning and so forth. I will tell you that we got with a technician and said, all right, how how uh, hot is the max for this, these computers and whatnot yeah. before they start malfunctioning, humidity and otherwise? He said 82 degrees. We set the thermostat at 82. 
that air does not come on unless and, and it's above 82 degrees. Because I remember the last time I was there, it was early fall, and it was really hot. And I thought, I thought they got air conditioning because <laughs> yeah. I started sweating the yeah. minute I stepped foot in there. Yeah. And I remember when I was teaching there, and I'd be in, <coughs> be in the classroom in off periods, and I'd have a light on. I'd have all four lights on, yeah. and you'd come by and turn two of them off. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, that's You're true. costing us money. You're costing us money. So somewhere along the line, you're teaching Catholic High, you get married and have a family. Right. Um, and you've got how many children now? Five. Two are in college? Two in college, both of them at Sewanee. One yeah. of them is studying abroad in uh, Denmark this semester, but they're both at Sewanee. Do you have any at Catholic High now? I have one son, Sam, who is a junior at Catholic High right now. Now, what has that experience been like? Because when you took the job, yeah. you didn't have teenage boys. Right, and I had you're little teaching kids. teenage boys. Yes. And now your kids are coming yeah. through that. That has been, uh, uh, that was the thing I was most worried about when Bishop Sarton asked uh, if I would take the job. I had to think about it. And one of the reasons was I said, I just, I don't know that my own sons can have the Catholic high experience with me there. Hmm. And that, I mean, this, the Catholic high experience was transformative for me. And I wanted it to be so for them. And Bishop Sarton's response was, well, you can bet they won't have it if you're not there. Yeah. So it's going to take somebody to, to, uh, uh, who knows the Catholic high experience to be able to, prolong it did you teach mm-hmm. your son no Who, did you have anything never taught him okay. i won't do that all right <laughs> no. yeah but it was a good uh inst- it was a it was really a good relationship uh the first day you know the the seniors pull out the freshmen out of the bleachers and make them do stupid things and uh on opening day assembly and uh the the skit cheerleaders do it and one of them came to me and said hey is it okay if we pull your son his freshman year, yeah. and I said, "Well, it, it, if you don't pull my son, you just you have no guts whatsoever." <laughs> so he's expecting it. I'm expecting it. Go ahead. And my son Jacob came out, and they made him read some silly letter, and it was hysterical. And he took it like a man, and just played along with everything they wanted. And the moment that those kids realized he was just like everybody else, it was it done. Was done. Do you see, uh, or can you envision them wanting to come back and teach at Catholic High, or even your girls? You know, I I think uh, I think they all have a, a teacher's heart. You yeah. know, they're all uh, inquisitive and they're good with people. Uh, so I, I would never say never. Uh, okay, my wife will get mad if I don't ask you to, yeah. to tell the story of how you met your wife. This is one of the best <laughs> meet stories of all time. So how did you meet All right. Her? Well, you know, I am not a right place, right time guy. <laughs> I can think of three times in my whole life that I've been in the right place, right time. One was at the Holy Souls Carnival when I was in third grade, and I sat down uh, at the, uh, you know, you spin the wheel, and if uh-huh. it lands on your number, you win. You want a cake? Yeah, well, this was uh, two-liter bottles of Cokes <laughs> when I was in third grade. And, I mean, I hit the number like three times in a row. People started calling me the lucky kid, and that stuck with me. I was the lucky kid. Now, nothing – I had to call my dad and say, hey, come pick me up. You know, I'm, my oh, luck's run coach. out. It's not going to get any better <laughs> than this. But uh, uh, the next time was when I called Father Tribu and uh, asked for a job, and a history teacher had just left for a year. 
And then the third and probably the, and definitely the most profound time was I was with a buddy. Uh, I was, guess I was like 22, 23 years old. Uh, I was with a buddy. He wanted to go on a date with this girl. She lived on Hill Road in the apartments on Hill Road, mm-hmm. just north of Kavanaugh. And uh, he wanted me to come along and go with her roommate because I knew her roommate. And I said, that's fine. And so we walk into this, we open this apartment hallway, walk in, and the entryway light is out. And so we can't see the numbers on the door. Yeah. He said, well, I think it's this one. And he taps on it, knocks on the door. And this older lady's voice says, who is it? And so he goes, oh, gosh, we've got the wrong apartment. And I said, well, you can't leave. It'll scare her because I'm leaving. And he took off and knocks on the other one. And this older lady comes to the door, and she cracks it open. And she says, hello. And I said, I'm so sorry. We have knocked on the wrong door. Uh, we were looking for our friends. And she said, yeah, they're right around the corner. And by that time, I can hear my friend going into that apartment, the door shutting behind them. And uh, she says, what's your name? And I said, I'm Steve Stracely. And she said, how old are you? I said, I'm 22. And she said, well, do you know my granddaughter, Ann Louise McQueen? And I said, yeah, I kind of remember her from high school. We didn't really hang out, but our circles intersected. And she said, well, you need to get to know her. She's really something special. I said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And was just trying to ease out. But she had you know, opened the door fully, and we were talking and had a little eight or nine minute conversation and you know me being the boy scout yes ma'am yes Uh ma'am and and so forth so she shuts the door and we go on with our double date and uh have a big time and then in december we i go to a wedding and uh, a friend of mine goes ann mcqueen is here and i'm gonna go talk to her and i said well go ahead good luck and so he's (laughs) over there talking to her and i look over and I see her, and I am just smitten. I mean, just smitten. And I was talking to Patty Enderlin, another lady, and I said, I've got to go get myself introduced to that girl. And she goes, well, good luck. And I walked over, and I had the best opening line a man could ever have for Ann McQueen. And that was, I'm Steve Stracely. I know your grandmother. <laughs> she loves her grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and she stopped talking to everybody around her and looks at me and says, how do you know my grandmother? That's great. And then her grandmother happened to be at the wedding, and, and it just went from there. That's we started fantastic. a conversation that's gone on for 22 years now. That's awesome. Um, that is a great story. All right, let's talk a little bit about teenage boys. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I circled back and talked for you, I guess it was 2009, 10, one of the things I was kind of pleasantly <coughs> surprised at was – uh, aside from technology and style yeah. changes, inevitable, that for the most part, I thought these teenage boys were still teenage boys. Mm-hmm. They had the same issues that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't there long. You've been essentially 25 years mm-hmm. teaching or at that school. Right. Uh, what are some of the contemporary challenges that we may not know about that you see now for a kid who's yeah. in high school in 2016? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Kids are so much the same, yeah. but the world has become more complex. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the, the great advances that we've made, the great responsibilities have come along with them, and I don't think parents and kids have quite caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Now, let me start by telling you, I have great faith in this generation. I'm not one of these people who sees them as apathetic or they'll never be as great as their parents or grandparents or anything like that. I think they can 
will be and will surpass the, few, the, the previous generations. But the complexity of it all has changed everything. Uh, of course, we look at cell phones and yeah. say, gosh, it is a computer in your hand and it is instant communication and it can be deadly, it can be damaging, it can destroy reputations and so forth. But even more so than that, what, the, what kids today can't do is they can't be still. Hmm. They are so ill-equipped hmm. to stand silently in a crowd and just listen. And you, you see it all the time. If you look at a group of kids, there will be two or three talking, and the others will have their phones out. Yeah. And they're flipping through yeah. whatever, liking stuff or looking stuff up or whatever. They, they, don't, they don't have the confidence to be silent. They've been raised still. in a world of stimuli, right? And that's. Do you let them use their cell phones? Is there a period of time like lunch? Can they do? Oh it heavens, just, no. no! Are nothing. you kidding me? Okay. I mean, <laughs> we're fighting this <laughs> uh, tooth right? and nail. And there's two schools of thought. One, let them use it because they've they've got that you know computer in their hand. Let them look up stuff in class and so forth. And the other school of thought is ours: is they need to be learn to be introspective, yeah. and they can't if they're constantly throwing their thoughts out into the the Twitter world. Remember one young man told me, well, a couple of them, they liked not being able to use yeah. it because it was kind of took the pressure off. I yeah. guess there's a lot of peer pressure that you have to, mm-hmm. you know, respond to something yeah. beyond Snapchat. Yeah, it's a or lot whatever. of responsibility. I mean, is, I mean, you know, we our our big fear was picking up the phone and asking a girl for a date. Yeah. That took courage. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it. But okay. So we've got the technological stuff yeah. um, and the. The, the stimulus coming in left and yeah. right. Uh, how about are they are they learning as well as they used to? Like by that I mean, is the level of education at a par with where we were? I I think it better. is, yeah. and I think that it it with the technology it can be even better and more efficient. Technology can never replace good old style teaching. I mean, it just can't. But it can enhance it. Mm-hmm. But you have to have a knowledgeable guide who can communicate well lead you through, uh, you know, the Punic Wars or lead you through uh, To Kill a Mockingbird or or through trigonometry yeah. or, or calculus or whatever. You have to have that guide. Uh, so, yes, I, I think technology can enhance that. And there, I can point to a dozen different ways at Catholic High where it has enhanced it. We get again, though, back to the idea that if you will allow your mind to settle down for just a little while, and think. You will think not just thoughts, you will think great thoughts. And that's what technology has worked against us Mm -hmm. in, is just the ability to be silent, the ability to take in, to be introspective, and think through the creative process, as opposed to thinking of it as a thumb click, you know, as a a tap on the glass that is repetitive and over and over and over again. Is that a message you deliver to the students a lot? I do. Yeah. Does it sink in, do you think? No, I mean, uh, you know, my own kids, I tell them, you know, here are the rules. We go uh, to dinner, your phones are not out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, you know, they default to that blue glow. Yeah, it's easy to pick on this generation. I'm glad to hear you stand up for them because I talk a lot about millennials Mm -hmm. and I guess the I generation behind them. uh, Because we're trying to get that millennial market in Arkansas, the tourists, the the adventure travelers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we make fun of their, their, their computers in their hands. But 
frankly, we would be the same way yeah. if we had grown up with that. Oh, and yeah. Many of us are the same way now. Right. You know? I mean, I yeah. mentioned to look and see what. Sure. It's just uh, they happen to be the generation that yeah. came in that way. Definitely. Um, you teach your political science class. Correct. Uh, we're recording this the day before the election. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've just got to ask, how lively has the discussion been? We this we fall? we did not need a textbook. Uh, <laughs> this strong fall. opinions. We needed uh, to understand how the electoral college works. I think most Americans cannot explain that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, we wanted we needed to know in detail how it can work or how it's supposed to work, uh, and then all the nuances of of communication. You know that's what's so interesting yeah. about this: the personalities, the the tweets, the the sound bites, and how they play into our national conversation, and how the media reacts to it, and how they guide the national conversation. So it's it's just a psychoanalysis uh, for the last three months. Are, are the kids engaged in politics, or are they more engaged in the theater of it? And they, that's probably not a fair question because yeah. this year is overlapping. Yeah, you know. You, Probably a lot like when you and I were in school. Yeah. You have those kids who just deeply care about it. Yeah, they, yeah. Dare, they care about the process, the system, that it comes out the way that they picture it should come out. And then you have the kids who care about the theatrics, yeah. you know, who just want the, the funny sound bite or something like that. But I think uh, for the m- most part, they understand that this is important, mm-hmm. that voting is important, and that our nation's future uh, cannot be given away to whims or uh, personality conflicts. It has to. It requires some deep thought on the voters' part. What's the hardest thing about being a teacher? The hardest thing about being a teacher is um, first motivating kids, um, communicating in a way that they will understand, but does not diminish your subject matter. Uh, understanding. Another very difficult part of being a teacher is you'll have 30 kids in your classroom, and they all come from different points of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have some who are greatly neglected by their parents. You have some who have helicopter parents who are not allowed to think on their own. Their parents will map and tell them what to think and believe for their entire lives. Uh, You have some who are apathetic, uh, some who have been abused. Uh, and you have those who are uh, have great ideas, big ideas about things, and are incredibly intelligent and well-adjusted, and you have all of them in one 50-minute period. <laughs> and somehow you have to figure out what makes each of them tick and move them forward as a group while respecting the individual that they are. That's a high wire act. That is a high wire and act. I can tell you because I tried to. I tried that yeah. wire. I, I told when when I've been asked about my experience, this mm-hmm. it was the most amazing thing I've ever done, and I mean that in the good mm-hmm. way, bad way, in between way. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, it it is hard, hard work, um, and uh, great teachers are, yeah. are just unbelievable. We have brought in business leaders, congressmen, senators, you name it, to speak to the kids. And speaking to a group of high school students is the most humbling oh my act. Yeah. Because no matter what, you know, you have something to say. You have prepared a speech and you are giving it your all. There is some kid in the back right corner who has <laughs> dozed off and is drooling, and you can't believe that that has happened. Um, all right, finish this sentence for me. If I weren't principal at Catholic High, I'd be blank. A novelist. 
I'm, or the director I'm, of parks and tourism. <laughs> <laughs> you you are a writer at heart. I know this. And you've I want to be. You are a novelist. Uh, people may not realize that you have written have. a novel. I have, and you've read it. One I of have. The few. It's, it's, it's yes. very good. Are you working on another one? I am not. I have a collection of essays and uh, articles that uh, I've had uh, published here and there that yeah. I think I'm going to put together at some point. But uh, I, I am still the kid in Steve Wells' junior English class at Catholic High and Father Tribu's senior English class at Catholic High. And I had one graduate assistant in college in a composition class who, for some reason, we just clicked. I am still that kid trying to impress those three teachers. Hmm. Do you That's write in your? You don't have spare time. So you you write in the summer? No, I, I do write a little bit in the summer. A lot of what I write is via emails to the parents. Yeah. If you if you talk to a Catholic high parent, they will tell you that I do not write simple emails. It is never a paragraph of what's going on. Uh, and I think that's a knock on me. They're they're usually three or four page. They misses get circulated. That, well, My sister I don't know if that's good or bad. But yeah, no, that's good. They're that's long, good. and they, you can tell that I've uh, yeah. been chewing on something for a while, and I should cut those down. But again, yeah. I'm still trying to get the approval of Mr. Wells, Father Tribu, <laughs> and the graduate assistant. I hear you. So am I. Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, thank you, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming over it's and doing my pleasure. this and, and skipping school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell it. them I left. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks for having me, King.